I'm going to go ahead and forewarn you guys. I, uh, I am not going to be able to stick to my 18-minute goal this week, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pick you up next week. And I'll tell you this, too. If you came here expecting a Mother's Day sermon, I'm sorry, but you're not going to get one today. Um, maybe, maybe next year. Uh, but God just kind of laid something on my heart this week. We've been, we've been dealing with some stuff in the church, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this a little bit later um, towards the end of the sermon. Uh, but we, we've been dealing with a lot of stuff in the, in the church, particularly in the United Methodist Church, for about a year and a half now. And um, uh, again, I'm going to talk to you a little bit more specifically about that at the end of the sermon. But I think this is kind of the reason that God laid this, among others, uh, that God kind of laid this sermon on my heart this week. Because I, I had not planned on preaching on this particular text. This, this particular text was nowhere in my, in, in, in my, in my, on my radar whatsoever. And it just kind of came to me one day. I think it was either last Sunday or last Monday. It just, it just came to me. And I just see so much need for what we're going to talk about today. And I see so much, so many problems because we fail to embody this. So I hope that's going to eventually make sense to you over the next few minutes. You know, I've, I've told you guys before on a number of occasions. Um, generally, at the beginning of the week, I'll send Kevin and, and Paulette the um, scripture that I'm going to be preaching on the following Sunday. And I don't know if y'all have ever noticed this or not, but most of the time, if not if not a majority of the time, uh, Paulette's sermon oftentimes will lay, uh, Kid's sermon will oftentimes lay, uh, be in line with what I'm preaching on, whether it's the subject or the or the scripture. And the same thing goes for Kevin, and he, they both do an excellent job with that. Uh, today was no exception. Uh, Kevin, I thought, did a, wonder, a great job picking the songs for our, for our service, especially considering uh, the subject matter, what the subject matter is going to be. And I want to draw your attention back to that last song uh, for just a second. Particularly, I want to draw your attention back to one lyric in that song that just really jumped out to me this week. Listen to this. And just for a second, I'm going to ask you to, to really think about that, about this. Kind of meditate on this, just, just for a couple of minutes this morning. But this was the lyric that just jumped off the page to me. If grace is an ocean, we are all sinking. If grace is an ocean, we are all sinking. Think about that. Think about the ocean. Think about the vastness of the ocean. Think about what the, what the ocean looks like when you're standing there on the shore and all you can see into the horizon is nothing but water. What a beautiful metaphor that is. What a beautiful image and a beautiful representation that is of the love and the grace of God. If grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. God's grace is so big, folks, that it overpowers us. God's grace is, is uncontainable. We cannot contain the way that God pursues us, and there's nothing that we could ever do, there's nothing that we could ever not do that can stop it. That's the kind of love that God has for us. That's the kind of love that God has for his creation. That's, the kind, that's what I want to talk to you about today, is that idea of grace. Specifically, I want you guys to take home two things out of this sermon. Number one, I want you to be able to fully understand, and I want you to be able to fully embrace the uncompromising grace of God in your own lives 
Some of us were raised in church traditions where we were dealt nothing but guilt and nothing but fear and nothing but shame. And we walked around calling ourselves Christians and feeling guilty and shameful about ourselves every day of our lives. I was among that group when I was a kid. If you've ever been in that environment, I am so, 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 so very sorry. And on behalf of every Christian that's ever existed, please accept my apology. Because that's not the grace of God. I'm not saying that we shouldn't practice self-evaluation. We should, and I'll talk about more of, that, more of that in a minute. But at the end of the day, I want you to realize that God loves you 100%, that God is completely pursuing you. That's what God's grace is all about. You are covered with it. There is no need whatsoever for any of us to have to walk around our lives in shame and in fear and in constant guilt of God. I want you to get that. I'm just as guilty of it as anybody, folks. Just as guilty anytime if I lose my temper, I feel horrible. I probably should feel horrible for a while because I, I start thinking, well, that's who I am. Maybe that's just that, that's who I am. That's not who I am. That's a mistake that I made. I'm a child of God, covered, loved, like nobody has or ever will love me. Same applies to y'all. And I want you to understand that. I want you to take that home today. Second thing that I want you to take that home today is that same grace is applicable to every single person that you run into. That same grace that we receive from God, that same grace that he just pours over our lives, I want you guys to be able to realize that same grace he has also given to other people. That realization, that simple realization, the acceptance of that simple fact will dramatically alter how we see, how we interact, and how we relate with other people. This unfathomable grace of God, folks, is absolutely essential to our Protestant tradition. It is the foundation of our Protestant tradition. If you don't know what I mean by that word Protestant, there's basically three branches of Christianity. There's basically three branches or, uh, or tradition, major traditions within Christianity. There's the Orthodox Church. That's got a big O in it. It's, it's capital O. You don't see a whole lot of those in South Georgia, but they are everywhere across the seas. Across the seas. There's the Roman Catholic Church. We're all familiar with that. And then there's the Protestant Church, which is pretty much everything else that isn't the Orthodox or the uh, Roman Catholic Church. And I'm not beating up in either one of those, but y'all know me. Uh, well enough, y'all know that I get a lot of my theology and then a lot of my practice from the Roman Catholic Church, so it ain't, I'm not trying to beat anybody up. What I am talking about is our tradition, and our tradition, the Protestant tradition, the foundation of that is the understanding of salvation and relationship with God by grace and by grace alone. By grace and by grace alone. It is the hallmark of the Protestant tradition. One of the primary theological positions that was sparked during what we call the Protestant Reformation, which occurred like 500-some-odd years ago, was this whole idea that salvation, justification before God, being made right in our relationship with God, being made holy or being made whole, and even our spiritual growth are all gifts. They're all gifts of love, and they're all gifts of grace. We don't receive these things because we earn them. We don't receive these things because we've done because we've done something or because we haven't done something. We don't receive these things because we're good people. We don't receive these things because we're better than others, and we don't receive these things because we deserve them. We receive salvation. We are made right in our relationship with God. We grow in our walk with Christ because God wants to give us these things. 
God pursues us because God loves us. Grace, as it is sometimes defined, and any of y'all who have been in the church for any amount of time will recognize this, grace, as it is sometimes and very often refined, defined, actually, is the unmerited, unearned favor of God for his creation. Unmerited, unearned. God does it because he wants to do it. It's absolutely 100% a gift that we provided. Not because we earned it, but just because we simply received it. And as the Apostle Paul wrote, nothing can separate us from it. Nothing can separate us from the grace and from the love of God. Our tradition, our Methodist tradition, has always had a very rich theology of grace, our understanding of grace, how it applies to our lives and how we in turn apply it to our relationship with God and while we're here on earth, how we apply that to our relationship with others. One of the foundational scriptures behind all of this thinking, all this understanding though, this understanding of salvation, this understanding of being right in the eyes of God, being brought into that relationship that is, that is holy, that is made whole with God through this idea in the church even that we call sanctification, which again is just another big word for growing in Christ-likeness. All of this, one of the foundational scriptures for these ideas comes from two, just two little verses. The Bible's covered with them. This is just one of them. Two little versions, verses in the book of Ephesians. It's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace... For it is by grace, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no man should boast. That's the word of God for the people of God. Several things I want to point out to you. First and foremost, salvation is the gift of God, not by works, so that it, no man so that no one can boast. Church, this scripture completely obliterates any notion that we might have towards self-righteousness. Completely obliterates that. We are not, quote, unquote, better Christians because of the things that we do or because of the things that we don't do, nor are we better people than non-Christians. We are simply people who have received a gift of salvation through our faith and by the grace of God and only by the grace of God. I want to pound that into our heads because we say that we believe that. We say we've said we believed it for about 506 years. But I wonder by our behavior, do we really, really, really believe that? As it applies to us and our relationship with God, but even especially what I want to talk about more today is as it applies to our relationships with other people how we treat other people, how we treat other people in the church. Do we act like we're better than them? Do we think we're better than them? Because we act, because they act differently, because they look differently, because they sin differently than we do. I wonder if we really, honestly, in all of our hearts believe that we're all equal, that we're all saved by grace, not because of what we've done or haven't done, not because of what sin we've committed or what sin we haven't committed. None of us are better than the other. We're all the same team 
Now, here's the big part that people want to push back sometimes. They want to, folks want to push back against this point I'm about to make. This kind of rubs some people the wrong way, and sometimes it's a difficult pill to swallow. But it's the truth. Our salvation, our salvation, our standing in the eyes of God is not dependent on our sin or our lack thereof. Did y'all catch that? Because of God's grace through Christ, we are not condemned, nor do we have the right to condemn anybody else. Because of what? Something I've done? No, because of God's grace. I don't stand condemned. Therefore, I don't get the right to condemn anybody else. Y'all have heard me say on many, many occasions, you know, if we're honest with each other, if we're honest with ourselves, every single person here, every single person here, this guy included, struggles consciously or unconsciously with some kind of sin or some kind of shortcoming in our lives, some areas, some areas, most likely, there are many where we fail to live up to God's perfect will, where we fail to love God with all of our heart, where we fail to love our neighbor as ourselves. Every single one of us. Maybe you're aware of it, maybe you're not, but this is a truth that we just can't deny. You know, one of the ironic things about, about the human process, this human thought process, is that when we mess up, when we fall short, we want... God's grace. We want God's mercy. We want God's understanding. We want God's forgiveness. Oftentimes, though, when we perceive another person or persons to be falling short, we want them to be accountable. Something very ironic about that. There's also something very, very hypocritical about that. As if somehow they are less deserving of the grace, the mercy, and the forgiveness of God than we are. Church, our call in life is to mirror the same outpouring of God's grace that God grants to us in our relationships with people. For our Christians and sisters and brothers, this is so very important. This has so much to do about what we see going on in our church. For our Christian brothers and sisters, we need to understand that we're all on a journey. We're all on a journey. We are all at different places in our walks with Christ. So what do we do? How do we handle that? How do we handle somebody's doing something we don't like? Maybe how do we handle somebody that looks differently, differently than me, that sins differently than me? Recognize we're all on a journey. Nobody's better, nobody's less. And we give them space. We give them space for the Holy Spirit to work. We give them space to, for Christ to work in their lives. We allow them that grace, just as we expect them to allow us the same grace to grow and to relate with one another. We give each other room without judgment and without condemnation to do what? As the Apostle Paul wrote, wrote again, to work out their own salvation. To work out our own salvation. He wrote that in the book of Philippians. Bottom line, church, Please know this, our salvation isn't dependent on our works or our ability or our inability to live up to God's will. Now, I'm going to address what some of you are undoubtedly thinking right now. If we are covered by God's grace, if there's no condemnation in Jesus, can't we just go on living like everybody else? And I'm sure some of y'all are thinking that by what I've stated this morning. 
Think of it like this. Can I drive 90 miles an hour on the highway? Yes, I can. Should I? Probably not. In the book of Romans, and I'm going to reference Paul several times here, but in the book of Romans, Paul answered this very question. Most people were asking this question 2,000 years ago. Chapter 6 of the book of Romans, Paul writes, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. For sin shall no longer be your master. What does that mean? It means basically this. If we have been raised with Christ, if we have truly received the grace and the love of God, our hearts should be reoriented. Our hearts should be reoriented away from selfish desires, from, from carnal desires, and towards pursuing the will of God. And it's not a burden to us. It's something that we should want. We should want to grow in Christ's likeness. We should want to pursue that perfect love for God and that perfect love for neighbor that Jesus talks about. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall short. We're going to struggle. We are going to wrestle with God, but we will always, always, always be covered by the grace of God. That knowledge in and of itself should motivate us even more to be molded into the image of Christ. Church, if you guys really knew some of the things that I believed about the Christian walk, y'all would, y'all would, y'all would, it would make your head spin. <laughs> personally, personally, I think Jesus was pretty radical. I think Jesus was pretty radical. I, I love Jesus, man. I love the life that he lived. I love the example uh, that he was. And I think Christianity is called to be a radical tradition. All day long, I believe that the way of Christ is a radical way of life, a radical way of being that, that reflects Jesus, that reflects his perfect kingdom. I think it's a way of being that calls for uncompromising love, grace, mercy, kindness, forgiveness, reconciliation, nonviolence, and the relentless pursuit of justice and advocacy for the marginalized, the disenfranchised, and those on the fringes of society. That's what I believe about Christianity. I'm not asking you to believe that. But that's what I believe. I also know that I am nowhere even remotely close to living up to that call at this point in my life. I can't overstate the appreciation, the gratitude that I have for the love and grace of God who continues to sustain me through my failures, through my sins, through my shortcomings. And here's the thing about that, folks. At the same time, because I understand I don't live up to that, I am able to view people differently. I am able to give that, at least I try, that same grace to other people, to extend that grace, to be less judgmental and to be less demanding of people because, like I mentioned before, we're all at different stages. We are all at different and varying stages in our walk with Jesus. Some of us, some of us will, by the grace of God, continue to grow and continue to be molded, continue to be shaped into the image of Christ. Some of us, though, will struggle. And some of us will stagnate, and some of us will never fully realize that life, that fullness of life that Christ so very much wants to give us. Regardless, church, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. Nobody's spiritual journey promotes them to be more or demotes them to be less in the eyes of God. And therefore, nor should it be so with us. Do we have that kind of grace?
grace in our churches. To be able to welcome every soul that walks through that door. To be able to walk hand in hand, sit on the same pew, worship together, love, serve, and let that person or those people grow in grace. Because God and your brothers and sisters are giving you the same grace. One more scripture I'm going to read to you from, from Paul. And it speaks to this. It comes from uh, Romans chapter 14. This is good stuff, man. Paul writes these words. He says, You then, why do you judge your brother or your sister? And why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Here it comes. Let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of another brother or sister. Allow me to repeat that one more time. Let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling blocks or obstacles in the way of your brother or sister. I don't want to put stumbling blocks in front of anybody, folks. I don't want to be responsible for that. I don't want anything that I do to somebody else or in front of somebody else or anything that I say to somebody else be a stumbling block, be an obstacle between them and their relationship with Christ for them for non-believers and believers alike and it's so easy to do that so easy to do that every time we make boundaries every time we set unrealistic requirements for people unrealistic demands we are just building that wall bigger and bigger and bigger how many people have been turned away from the church because of the obstacles that we have placed in their path how many people hate and despise the church because of stuff that we have done in rejecting them for whatever reason it may be. I don't want to be responsible for that church. Whether it's a non-believer who doesn't have a relationship with Christ or whether it's a believer who's trying to grow in that relationship and into that mold of Christ-likeness. rest of this I did not write down. I'm going to talk to you guys from my heart and this is stuff that I've thought about for quite a while and there is absolutely no way that I'm going to be able to remember everything that I want to tell you guys this morning. But I didn't want to write it down. I didn't want to put it in my notes because I wanted to just talk to you guys about this to the best of my ability and through the grace of God um, by my, through my heart. Most of y'all know, most of y'all are, I kind of lied. I got like two sentences written down. Um, most of y'all know, are aware that for the last, especially for the last year and a half or so, United Methodist Church has, has, has had some, some great difficulties. We've been going through a season of, of what, what, we, what we had known now as a season of disaffiliation. 
uh, where a lot of church or churches, local churches, are, are dropping out of the denomination for whatever reason. They're, they're, everybody has different reasons, and I'm not going to talk about We are all very much aware that the vast majority of churches around in our area have, have dropped out at this point, and they will be officially disaffiliated come June. Um, I'm not talking about them. I don't, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know what their motives are. I don't know what their intentions are. I am not their judge. I am not... Um, that's not my responsibility to judge other people. And we started talking about it here at Bemis, I guess about this time last year, around March, February, March. And at the time, uh, there, there's a process that you have to go through. So at the time, the administrative council voted to uh, basically move forward with discussing this thing, discussing the process of disaffiliation. And if y'all remember correctly, we did a number of things. And, Several people came in. I, I talked to you guys about it some. I uh, tried to spread as much, as much, tried to feed you guys with as many resources as I could possibly find. Uh, Y'all remember that Paula, our DS, came and talked to us uh, once. You'll remember that uh, 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 two other pastors came in and talked to us, one, one who was in favor of it, one that was kind of laying, laying in the center of it. And we talked about this thing some more for a couple months, and it just kind of looked like we didn't have that support for it. There was no, there was, there was regard, there was no way, shape, or form, just from the conversations that we were having, that there was going to be any kind of any kind of real support for it in our church. So what we wound up doing is we just took a straw vote one day um, after a service. You know, y'all y'all want to move forward with this, and at the time nobody was in favor of it. Not a single hand went up. So we've kind of been, it's kind of just kind of fallen off our radar, to be honest with you. I haven't thought about it a whole lot. Um, Every now and then somebody pop a question to me, and, and, and that would be pretty much it. But it, I just, it just hasn't been something that's been that I've considered. But it's kind of it's also been kind of out there hanging, right? So it's just kind of sitting there, and everybody's kind of well, what are we doing? Are we doing this? Are we doing that? Or, or whatever. So that was kind of brought to my attention, and um, the way that we handle that is your administrative council met this morning, and they voted unanimously to rescind their initial vote to begin the process and they voted unanimously in favor of staying United Methodist. Y'all can applaud that if you would like. Church, I, I know where God has placed me. I know the, the place that the, 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 the direction God has put before me to go. And that's, and that's the direction. And there's so much that I want to talk about. There's so much that I want to say to you, church. Number one, I'm just proud. I'm just proud of Bemis. <laughs> you know, there's a, for a number of reasons. Number one, Bemis is a graceful church. And I've recognized that from the beginning. Bemis is a graceful church. All this stuff that we've been talking about this morning, this sermon, you guys reflect that. You guys reflect that beautifully. Beautifully. And I'm, that makes me proud. I'm proud to be part of a church that is like that. I'm proud to be part of a church that will go the opposite direction of an unfavorable opinion, particularly in our area. That says a lot about your discernment. That says a lot about your prayer lives, your discernment. It is pretty doggone admirable that you guys didn't go with the crowd. 
crowds dropping out like flies. And that's got to be hard for you. I know that's got to be hard for you to watch that happen. But you didn't go with the crowd, and that's a big deal. I think that's a huge deal. And I think that says something about you guys. You know, one of my favorite things to say right now, one of my favorite things to say right now, this is a good thing to apply anytime you're going through some kind of process of discernment. Always remember, always remember that the crowd chose Barabbas over Jesus. I'm glad you guys have your reasons. This isn't about liberal or conservative. This is about grace, man. This is about grace, in my eyes anyway. I don't know about, I don't know about your, your guys, but I'm assuming that's kind of your motivation behind all of this and the decisions that y'all made was that it was motivated by love and it was motivated by grace. It was motivated by the fact that we're not going to turn anybody away that walks in these doors. We don't care who you look like. We don't care which, where you come from. We don't care what color you are. Nothing. We're just glad you're here. And I think that's the message you guys are sending. And that's a good message. That's a wonderful, wonderful message. I don't know what the future is going to hold. I don't, know. I don't know if we made the right decision. I don't know. I can't tell the future. Only, 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 the, only the future will tell that for certain. But I can tell you this, church. Your motive for the decision that you made was 100% right. 100% on target. You cannot go wrong. You cannot go wrong making a decision based on grace love and or mercy anytime you know God may come down on me a little bit when I get when I get into the afterlife he may come down on me about some stuff but I got a feeling I got this crazy feeling he's not going to point his finger at me and say Jerry you were just too graceful with people <laughs> you were just too loving you were just too kind you were just too accepting I can't have that I don't think God's going to tell me that you know, John Wesley said, I have often repented. I have rarely repented of being too kind. I've, <laughs> it, was, it was such a great way to wrap it up, and I messed it up. I have often repented of being too judgmental, but rarely of being too kind. A lot of truth in that, y'all. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, again for all of our moms, uh, all of those who played that motherly role in our lives and uh, helped, helped, helped shape us into the people that we are today. God, I pray for the, uh, the ones who are celebrating today. I also pray for the ones who are mourning reason they, they may be mourning as well, that you'll just grant them uh, your love and your comfort. Thank you, God, for your church. God, we thank you so much for the grace that you've uh, poured out over our own lives. May we realize that grace, God. May we realize that your ultimate character is nothing but love. And may we be more drawn to you, God, more in relationship with you because of that. May we also recognize the grace that you pour out over every single human being made in your image. And may our actions toward them reflect that understanding. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.